0: Thank you for listening to the Writers Guild of Alberta podcasts. The following episode was recorded in 2020 as part of the WGA's online reading series sponsored by the Rosé Foundation. The audio quality may differ from recording to recording. We want to thank the authors and hosts for their permission to share these audio-only episodes with you and thank the Rosé Foundation again for their generous support.
1: We're live. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome, YouTube viewers, writers, readers friends, family, pets, girlfriends, boyfriends, and spouses. Note to our viewers, if you want to take part in the Q&A section following our reading, you'll need to sign into the YouTube app to do that. You can write your questions in the chat window on the side throughout, and I'll address them in our Q&A section after our reading and discussion. I'd like to thank the Writers Guild of Alberta for making this possible. Thank you, especially to the Rosé, Foundation for providing the funder- funding for these writers, writers Guild Reader Series. It's much appreciated. Most of all, thank you to Lori Hannell for being here with her new short story collection, Vermin. All right, so let's see who Lori is. I'm sure all of you know who she is, but in case you don't, I'll tell you. Lori Hannell is a renowned Alberta author. Her novels include Love Minus Zero, and After You've Gone. She's written two short story collections, Nothing Sacred, which was shortlisted for the Alberta Literary Awards, and this latest, Vermin Stories. Her work has appeared widely in journals, including The Fiddlehead, Joyland, and The Saturday Evening Post, and has been broadcast on CBC radio. She's currently serving as Calgary Public Library's 2020 author in residence. So if you have burning stories that you want Laurie to look at, contact the Calgary Public Library and make an appointment to chat with her. You won't regret it. And here now is writer extraordinaire, Laurie Hannell, reading from her story, Vermin.
0: Well, thank you, my editor extraordinaire, Lee Caverne. Um, and I wanted to say thank you to everybody who has come out tonight to uh, join us in our chat. Um, it would be wonderful to see you, except I can't see you, but it's, I appreciate the thought. So we're going to start out with uh, a reading of the story of Vermin, the title story from the collection. I'm going to read the whole story this time, um, so bear with me, and uh, here we go. Vermin. Jürgen Koch has to be the worst cook in the world, so you wonder why he owns a restaurant and why he cooks in it. It's simple, he owns the restaurant because it was an easy business for him to buy in Tofino. When he came here on vacation in the 90s and did the West Coast Trail, he fell in love with Vancouver Island and spent the next 10 years saving up so he could move here from Germany. And he does the cooking himself because he's a cheap son of a bitch who won't pay a real cook. I'd love to tell my impatient customer this, but I can't. I love living in Tofino too, and I don't want to lose this job. Suck it up, sweetheart, I think. You don't look like you're starving to me. Actually, this guy scared the bejesus out of me when he first came in. He looks a lot like my ex-boyfriend Ray's Uncle Lloyd. Dead ringer for him. He spooked me enough that I wanted Dirk to serve his table, but of course Dirk was nowhere in sight. Probably out back, having a cigarette, listening to that techno dance stuff he loves on his iPod. I had to reason with myself. How could it be Lloyd? Lots of old men look like that. Short, leathery faced, truck logo baseball cap, faded jeans held up around his skinny ass with a giant belt buckle. Once I went over and took his order and heard his voice, I realized he wasn't Lloyd, couldn't be. What was I thinking? Becca, Jurgen calls from the kitchen. He's so cheap he can't even spring for one of those counter bells to ring when he finally has an order up. I'll have to get him one for his birthday. The pale, hard, half-hot dog bun Jürgen has toasted and smeared thinly with garlic butter rattles lonely and ungarnished on the oval plate as I set it in front of the man. Yes, this is what he's been waiting for all this time. He looks at me, about to say something, about to complain. I head him off at the pass. You ordered the garlic toast, didn't you? I ask. Flash, a flirtatious smile, flick the ends of my long, dark hair over my tanned shoulders. He flushes a little, glances at his tired-looking wife, a girl my age probably hasn't smiled at this guy since he was my age. Uh, yeah, he says quickly, thanks. Another satisfied customer. Another disaster averted by my exceptional public service skills. I'll have to talk to Jurgen about a raise, ha. One of the things I love most about this place is the ocean smell. Southern Alberta smells like cow shit and diesel and sour gas wells. The ocean smells of life and death, of rot and salt. I like to walk up and down Long Beach, feel the sand between my toes, look for whatever's washed up today. Shells, crabs, dead seals or birds, tires, driftwood, bottles. You never know what you'll find, different stuff every day. Dirk and I surf a lot. On the west coast of the island, we get some of the best waves anywhere. Surfers come here from all over the world. He usually uses a board, but I prefer body surfing. I need to throw myself against the water, feel the impact of my body against the waves. Is surfing addictive? I don't know. I do know that sometimes I only feel alive out here. Ray's uncle Lloyd lived on the section of land the family owned near Turner Valley in the rolling foothills south of Calgary. At one time, the family ranched there, but by the time we moved there, it was only Lloyd left. I wasn't ever sure what he did. The yard in front of his house was full of cars and trucks that he worked on some of the time. Mostly, I just saw him sit on the porch and drink beer and watch the cars that went by once in a while. Over the years, the family built different houses on the land and eventually abandoned them as they built new ones. Ray and I lived in the oldest house on the other side of the barn near Lloyd's house. Lloyd must have seen the people coming and going day and night. Ray didn't think his uncle had any idea what he did. I wasn't so sure. Becca, Lloyd said and grasped my hand a little too firmly, a little too long when Ray introduced us. That short for Rebecca? Yes, it is, I said, smiled tightly. No shit, Sherlock, and you can let go of my hand now. Lloyd didn't like Ray's dog, Junior. Junior scared the shit out of me the first time I saw him too. He's a Rottweiler cross, and cross with a moose, I think. He's black and tan, muscular, huge. Luckily, Junior loved me from the second we met. He came and lay at my feet and I rubbed his tummy and that was it. He was devoted to me from then on, followed me everywhere. I'd never had a dog before, had no idea how loyal they can be. It's kind of cool. Ray decided we should move out to the family's land after a friend of his got busted in Calgary. Don't get the wrong idea about Ray. He didn't always sell dope, at least not full-time. He impressed me when I first met him. He worked as a roofer, made good money. He talked about going back to school part-time, picking up some courses, starting a business. I liked that he had a plan. But after he hurt his back on a job, he put in a claim for compensation and waited and waited, and when they did settle he got almost nothing. Hey, a guy's got to live. Still, after a while, I realized my boyfriend had become a dealer. I wasn't sure how I felt about that. He always said it was temporary, but he'd been doing it almost a year and I never noticed him looking for a job. Plus, once he started working at home, he let himself go. His construction worker's physique got all soft. He let his hair go all wild and he got into some kind of freaky Fu Manchu thing with his mustache. The idea was to intimidate people, I guess. I just thought he looked like Lemmy from Motorhead. Ew. Worse, unless he was making a delivery, he hung around the place all the time. He started to remind me of Lloyd, maybe a cross between Lloyd and Lemmy, creepy. What happened to all your plans? I asked him after a while. You know, going to school, starting your own business, all that. Well, I kind of have my own business now, don't I? Um, yeah, an illegal business. Ah, uh, Come on, Becca, give me a break. You know it's just temporary. Is it? I don't see you looking into courses or anything like that, or looking for another job even. Get off my back, okay? As for me, I worked waiting tables evenings at a diner in Turner Valley. Got me out of the house, I guess. I would have rather done something else, but there wasn't much to pick from. Turner Valley's pretty small, and it was great experience for working at Jurgen's Tofino house, as it turns out. Ray got up early one morning in June to go to Calgary to make a delivery to one of his better customers. I didn't feel like going with him since he had no air conditioning in his truck, and we were in the middle of a stretch of hot weather then. The days were sultry, overcast. Thunder rumbled in the rainy afternoons and evenings. I thought I'd get out early in the morning and take Junior for a walk while it was still reasonably cool. Besides, I didn't feel like hanging around with Ray's pothead friends. When Junior and I went by Lloyd's place, I saw him take something out from under the eaves of the old barn near his house and throw handfuls of it against the wall hard. When I got closer, I could see that it was birds. He scooped baby birds out of nests that lined the eaves and threw them against the wall of the barn. Dead baby birds lay all along the bottom of the wall where he'd already been. Barn cats gorged themselves. What are you doing? I asked. Sparrows, vermin, I'm getting rid of them. You're throwing baby birds against a wall. I watched him shoo the cats away, fill a shovel with birds, Throw them into a big slough swollen from the rains at the bottom of a slope behind the barn. They're filthy. Shit all over everything. Damage the crops. What crops? You're not growing anything. He squinted at me for a minute. I don't need vermin on my property. Sparrows screeched as Junior and I walked away. Funny, I hadn't noticed noticed them before and now the sound was deafening. The sign outside Jurgen Stefano house says best fish and chips on Vancouver Island. Of course, every restaurant on the island has a sign that says that. Some of them claim to have the best fish and chips in the world. Well, I wouldn't say we have the best fish and chips in the world or on the island. If it was up to me, the sign would say the food probably won't kill you or maybe lunch usually doesn't take more than two hours or something like that. It also says specializing in West Coast cuisine. Jurgen's interpretation of West Coast cuisine is a little, shall we say, loose. He relies heavily on frozen and processed ingredients and tends to shy away from local stuff because of the expense, of course. Dirk, loyal son that he is, claims his dad's cooking has improved in the 10 years he's been here. I shudder to think that what he does now is the result of 10 years work. Dirk and I have an understanding. He helps me out if I have a customer who's a little too friendly or a little too aggressive. I help him out if he has trouble with English. Not that he needs it that often. He's only been here about a year and he's got an accent for sure, but he speaks English well. I always think about how I would do in German. Not well, I think. I'd like to meet Dirk's mom someday. He must get his tall, slim, blonde looks from her. Jürgen always looks a little like a walrus to me. Pudgy, big handlebar mustache, not blonde or red or brown, but somewhere in between. It's one of those mustaches some guys grow when they're losing it on top. Dirk's mom's name is Petra. She's an artist, lives in Berlin, works in a gallery. She and Jürgen divorced long ago. I'm thinking it won't be long until Dirk takes off for Vancouver. Not that a gay man would have a problem living in Tofino, but I think a gay man living with Jürgen could have a problem, which is why it's so convenient that we can hang out together. Jürgen thinks we're in love. It doesn't bother me, but maybe someday Jürgen will figure it out, and I don't want to be around for that. I have to say it didn't really surprise me when Ray got busted. I wondered if someone had narked on him, a pissed-off customer maybe, or even Lloyd. I had a bad feeling about Ray's court date. Didn't think it would go well for him, especially after he told me this wasn't his first offense. Ah, Yeah, I had a prior conviction about five years ago. I swear though, I just had a bag for personal use, just an ounce. Why didn't you tell me that before? I didn't think it was important until now. My parents didn't ever like Ray. They'd have flipped if they'd known he was in jail for trafficking. I thought at first I'd tell them he was away traveling in Europe for three to five. Then again, the more I thought about it, the more it seemed like that was my cue. The end, time to go. I decided I'd head out to Vancouver Island for a while. I'd always wanted to live by the sea. So I bought a bus ticket. Great sister Julie, who lives in Turner Valley, agreed to come by that day to take me to the Greyhound station in Calgary. She was also taking Junior to stay with her. Said she'd keep him until Ray got out of jail. As I finished packing Lloyd came by. It all seemed to happen so fast. I thought about it thousands of times and after a certain point I'm not sure what happened exactly. It was another hot humid day and I took Junior out for a walk, our last walk, before it got too hot. Even before we got back to the house black clouds rolled in the temperature dropped a few degrees, there was a big storm on the way you could feel it in the air. Just as we got in the house big cold raindrops started to fall hard and fast. I was about to change my sweat damp clothes when I saw Lloyd standing in the kitchen grinning. His green plaid shirt was stained a film of sweat and a two day beard covered his leathery face. What are you doing here, Lloyd? He dangled a key in front of my face. Lots of keys to this place around. I got a few. I didn't ask you how you got in. I asked what you were doing here. He just smiled. You miss Ray? Sure, but it's time for me to move on. I'm leaving. He should have been more careful. He shouldn't have been selling drugs on the family farm. Guess he thought I didn't know, but I did. So you called the cops? I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is he should have watched his step. Now he's losing a pretty girl like you. The boy's always been a fool. A flash of lightning illuminated the windows for a moment and the tearing roar came close behind. Lloyd ignored it, slowly made his way toward me. You need to go back to your place now, I said. He kept coming closer. You wouldn't make me go out in the storm, would you? He wrapped a hand around my forearm. The more I tried to pull away, the harder he hung on. Black grease stained all the creases in his hands and around and under his thick yellow fingernails. I smelled his sweat, the alcohol on his breath, his grimy clothes. Junior, I called quietly. I immediately heard the click of his claws on the floor behind me. I looked into Lloyd's eyes for a second before I said, get him, Junior. As soon as Junior growled and started to lunge, Lloyd was off like a greasy little rocket, out the front door and heading in the direction of the barn. I didn't think he could move that fast. He wasn't fast enough for Junior though. I watched at the front door as the dog caught up with him. Junior's jaws caught him by the back of his upper thigh, pulled him to the wet, slippery ground. Lloyd screamed, call him off, call him off. He screamed like a girl. I had no respect for that. Lloyd screeched as he and Junior rolled down a slope and then I couldn't see them anymore. I heard a splash, so I guess they got into the slough. I pictured Lloyd thrashing among the bloated corpses of baby birds, then thunder drowned out any other sound for a while. I started to wonder whether I should go outside and see what happened when Junior appeared in the doorway, soaked to the skin and panting hard. Poor Junior, poor baby, you're all wet. Let Becca dry you off. I got a towel and rubbed him down. I didn't see any scratches or any blood on his fur, which would have maybe washed off in the slough and the rain. There was something that looked like a long shred of cloth stuck in his teeth, green plaid. I pulled it out and threw it in the compost outside. Junior had a drink of water and stretched out on the kitchen floor for a nap. Poor guy was exhausted. He'd had a busy morning. But when I woke him a little over an hour later, so we could get into Julie's truck, he was fresh and ready to go. Dogs are funny like that. The sea looks like the sky looks like the sea. Gulls screech as they circle overhead, screech as they dive bomb the surf. I watch one dive in, dip, come out with a long shred of cloth stuck in its beak. But when I look again, it's just a piece of kelp, silly me. Dirk and I are both working our usual 11 to 8 shifts today. We'll have to get moving pretty soon. But right now, we lie side by side, dry out in the sun on Long Beach, listen to the birds warm up after surfing all morning. Today, I feel like I could lie here forever. I don't want to go into work, don't want to deal with Jurgen, deal with the customers. I'm thinking about moving to Vancouver, Becca, Dirk says. You'd love it there. It's a very cool city. You want to come with? Maybe, when are you thinking of going? Soon, pretty soon. Can I think about it for a couple of days? Of course, take your time. Thanks, I'm not surprised, you know. You're from a big city, you must miss big city life. I do, yes. What about you, do you miss Alberta? I think about that for a minute before I answer him. A little, sometimes. I don't miss much about Alberta, really, except for maybe Junior. And that's the end of the story. Yay. Awesome. Yay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you,
1: Laurie. What a rare treat to actually hear a full short story from a it's writer. True.
0: It's true. You don't usually get that chance. So there you go. You are. don't.
1: Yeah, that, that's a real treat. Thank you, Laurie. That was awesome. Oh, so My let's, pleasure. Uh, let's talk about this book. Um. So as as Laurie said at the beginning I was editor on this book. I have been editing for our our publisher that we both share for a couple years and they asked me if I wanted to edit a short story collection and I said sure because I'd done short story collections in the past and they sent me the book and lo and behold it was Laurie's and and that it was, it was odd because I, I mean, Laurie and I are, we're not just writers in the community. We're also friends. We read each other's work. We've been friends for a decade. And, and so the idea of editing someone close to me was, was daunting and I almost, almost thought I was gonna turn it down. And then I started looking at the collection and realizing that, that Laurie had published, I mean, how many stories are in there, about 16? I, I
0: think um, somebody asked me that last time and I had no idea because <laughs> we started out with 22 and, and we cut several out so I, I think 16 17 sounds right yeah
1: yeah and and pretty much all of those had been published in literary magazines or in you know online or or wherever so I mean it, it the idea of, of editing you was minimal on my part I mean the stories were so polished and so it was just a, a real treat to work with you and not, not how I thought it would be. Um, one of the, the decisions I wasn't involved in, and I'm curious on your part, Laurie, is Vermin is the title story of, uh, of your short story collection and why this particular story? And did the publisher weigh in on that decision or was that yours alone as the writer? That
0: was my decision. And uh, when I sent the manuscript to them last fall, that was the title I had chosen. Uh, you know, based obviously on that story. I I chose that as the title because I feel like Vermin is probably the strongest story, or one of the strongest stories in the collection, and more than that, I felt like that simple one-word title was intriguing. It's It's a provocative word, and, you know, as it turns out, I think it also lends itself fairly well to, um, you know, a, a graphic treatment. I think it's quite a, um, an arresting word in terms of the cover design. So, I mean, I wasn't really thinking about that part of it when I chose that as the title, but I just thought it's a striking word. It's going to make people go, well, what the heck is that all about, right? And I, you know, I hope it has that effect.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's um. that's why I was curious about, you know, how how you came to that decision, because it is such a succinct word. And it just I mean, visually, it's it's perfect on the book. It it just I would I would look at that book in a in a bookstore. That would be one of the books I'd be uh be uh, drawn towards.
0: I might um, wonder what it was about, you know, but it does say stories in the corner. So that's good. Right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and I, would, I, would, um, I would argue with you that, yes, Vermin is a strong story, but you have many strong stories in this short story collection. Oh, wow. Seriously, though, I mean, you know, I, I, I know from my own short story collection, I've, I've got some weak ones. Yours, yours is very solid. Like from, from an editor standpoint, you're, you were just a dream to work with. It, oh my uh, god you oh seriously god. though i mean that uh, the editing and you know anytime we discuss things or talked about things you were you were so open to you know suggestions or or questions if i had questions and and that was a real a real tweet i mean sometimes you you act as an editor and people don't want to change anything and and it's um yeah, you kind of wonder what you're doing there but but i didn't feel that way with you at all i'm curious how was it for you having a friend edit your book
0: well so i think that i told you and barb howard and betty jane hegeret uh the news of you know the acceptance of the short story collection pretty pretty shortly after i found out and i you know we were kidding around and i said oh maybe you'll be my editor and you know i didn't really <laughs> i didn't really think that would happen but i was really i was i was happy when i found out but i also thought well you know what is what is she going to be like to to work with as an editor and you know one thing i thought that i was totally wrong about but i did think i'm probably going to have a lot of work to do because you're like, we're, you know, we're friends, we're colleagues, but I think that our writing styles are quite different, mm-hmm. you know, as you would expect two different people to have <laughs> different writing styles. I find that your work is very visual and it's, it's very, um, it's, it's very image rich. My work is not like that it's 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 not quite as you you tend to focus in on something and give us like the whole the whole picture unfolds of this thing i i always think of your stuff as kind of being like a mosaic you get all these little images that sort of build a picture and i I don't have that much imagery so i thought she's gonna make me put all this imagery and she's gonna make me write (laughs) the way she writes but that was wrong that was totally wrong um I you were great to work with you you again you were very um responsive to any you know questions or concerns that I had um and I liked the way that you kind of you parceled out the work you didn't just send me this big plop a big manuscript with a bunch of red lines and stuff on it like I got one story at a time and you know we worked on them in little little chunks and and that seemed to it worked really well for me you know. So it was delightful to work with you. I would work with you again in a second.
1: Well, conversely, can can you be my editor on my next book, Lori? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like your description, um, get this I, in writing. Let's get this in writing. Come on. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, no, I really, I, I really respected our differences. I mean, I, I, um, I, yours, your writing has such a such a voice and a nuance. And what I particularly love about about this short story collection is. They're all female narrators, I think, right? Yeah, they, they're all female. They are,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: which which is awesome, especially in this day and age, just to have you know females represent representative in every story in different ways. And what I liked in particular about your writing is how you how you link your narrators to music in some way. Not necessarily in in Vermin in the title story, but all the other stories. There's a link between between the narrators and the music of the time, or the, the narrator is a lover of uh, an historical music musical figure. Can you, can you talk about that and what your interest is? And
0: Yeah, yeah that's that's very true. I mean, um, almost all of these stories have some connection with music in one you know, degree or another, but several of them are actually about real life musicians. Um, And there's also one about a real-life artist, uh, Tom Thompson. And all of these stories that involve real-life figures, I have chosen to um, tell them from the point of view of the wife or girlfriend um, of one of these real-life people. And, you know, on reflection, um, all of these people, all of the artists or musicians that I've written about are people who died young. And I think what I'm really interested in is, you know, what was the impact on the women in their lives um, after losing their partner at such a young age? Um, and again, thinking about this earlier today, I thought, well, you know, what, what is it about that scenario that fascinates me or, or kind of obsesses me? I wonder if it goes back, this is gonna sound silly, but I kind of wonder if it goes back to John Lennon. Uh, when he died, I was, uh, I was a big fan, like I was a huge, huge fan, and I found that to be a, you know, devastating, depressing experience. So, you know, I wonder maybe somehow if I'm exploring that because, you know, my mind started in that direction, like when I was 17 when he died, could be, I'm not sure. But anyway, um, you know, I like to think about, well, what was life like for these women, you know, when they, when they lost these men? Um, I think for most of them, it was pretty devastating.
1: Yeah, it, it, you know, and what's so what's so um, fresh about that too, Laurie, is that you know, especially in the historical sense, where you're working with a musician that's that's no longer alive, it's always about the musician. It's never it's never from the point of view of their female lovers or their their spouses, and and that was that was really lovely about the the collection and how how that impacted their lives as they moved forward moved on from from those you know people that had died early on I mean it it um yeah it's really it's really fresh and I love that I love that when I was editing it because it was it was not something I'd read before because it's always you read about Tom Thompson it's it's about him it's a it's a bio it's a story or you read about um Bix Beiderbeck, am I pronouncing that Yep. yep you got it you nailed it Big did start. i yeah, yes, yeah. awesome nice awesome one. <laughs> who i wasn't familiar with and and looked him up and and as i read the story then knowing you know who he was it, it was it was lovely and and then you have cha you know uh chopin's lover i mean all of it it just i love the scene that runs through it, but i love that it's from the women's perspective that that to me was um was just really wonderful to work with you on that, and I had very little to say about it. You were a master on the page. Oh my goodness! Well, thank you, Lee. I'm I'm really glad that that aspect of the
0: collection appeals to you. Uh, sometimes I felt, you know, while I was looking for a home for this book, like maybe those historical stories were a liability. But you know, mm-hmm. I'm hearing not. I'm hearing not on that one. I think that people are enjoying the historical stories quite a bit
1: oh yeah in fact when i was uh, when the publisher and i were talking back and forth they chose that book based on those historical stories and figures which i thought was awesome i think that's awesome too yeah yeah so no no that's good um okay what else what else do we want to talk about laurie um i've got some questions here i have a question from uh, and, and by the way, everybody out there, if you have questions, please go to the chat and type them in. Otherwise, Lori and I are going to blather on endlessly, and you'll, you'll be sick of you'll us. You'll regret
0: it if we keep blabbering. Yeah, if,
1: exactly. So ask, ask Lori really tough questions, too. No. Really, really put her on the spot. Make her think. No, no, I'm tired of thinking. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right. We have a question from Sean Hunter. Who asks, how do you go about choosing the order of short stories in a collection? And we can both talk about this. Lori, you talk about it first. Well, I just let Lee do that. <laughs> uh, no, no. <laughs> um, we,
0: we, we worked on it together. We worked on the order together and we talked about, you know, which pieces we thought were the strongest and where should they go in the collection based on, you know, how strong they were. And Generally, I think that you want to start strong, right, and end strong. So we did that for sure. Um, and then it was a question of, I don't know, kind of ranking them. Did we kind of rank them a little bit in terms of strongness and then decide where they should go? Or maybe it was a less mathematical
1: process. I don't think we were life. quite that mean about ranking your stories, Lori. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it was so long ago. It was so, but I mean,
0: yeah, you want to have a strong story at the beginning, a strong one at the end. Yeah. Right.
1: And and yeah. Yep. And all the crappy ones in between. Right. Well, <laughs> no. it, it, oh, crappy is not the right word. I, I would say um, I would say you want. Yeah, definitely. You want to start strong. You want to end strong. And and you know how the middle of the book goes. It seemed to me that we talked about kind of the kind of um, going between the, the current story stories told in the present and then historical and kind of yes. flipping so that yes, there was there was diversity and variety and you didn't have to read in any particular order that you could just basically pick up the book and open to a story and, and, and go from there. So and again, I mean, you you had it well laid out by the time I got to the manuscript, because because so many of the stories have been previously published, it was was really, really easy to do that. Although it was really helpful.
0: I I think your I think it was your suggestion of um, not having the historical stories all in a row, like we did try to mix them up a bit, just so I think partly so that people wouldn't get the idea when they started reading it, that it was a book of historical fiction, because I mean, although it contains some historical fiction, it's not all historical fiction, right, so.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, the same as, you know, the same as, you know, any, when you structure a story that you want to set up your structure ahead of time. So your reader knows what to expect. And yeah, for, for the, the story collection and the diversity in the stories, I think the order that we, we chose to put them in shows that, right. That, you know, you're going to be, you're going to be current and then you're going to be back in the 18th century. And then you know back to present day and and yeah, yeah. it's a roller coaster right it's a roller coaster <laughs> yeah i know i thought it worked really well i um, think so.
0: yeah.
1: yeah yeah okay i've got i've got some comments from people and i'll just uh, i will read them out so that everybody that isn't signed in can see them um ellie bryan says great reading laurie fantastic story oh thanks Yes, Heidi Klassen says, great story, Lori. It reminded me of my old Roddy. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Junior. Um, <laughs> Cindy Morris. Ah, here. The voice of reason. 20 stories. Ah, Cindy. Cindy Thank you is for in counting.
0: <laughs> possession
1: of the book. She picked she picked it up today. She says now she'll be able to read it through hearing Lori's voice. Aw. You know that I was I was uh, talking to my Zoom class today. We're doing a, a short story course, and we were talking about the difference between hearing a writer read their story. It's so much about the tone. I mean, oh, yeah. there's there's a lot of humor in *Vermin*, in particular, and I've not heard you read that live. There's a lot of humor, sort of, you know, yeah, it's kind of
0: ironic or sardonic, and It's, it's right? in the character's voice. I mean, it's not necessarily yeah. in what she says, but it's in how she says it, right?
1: Yeah, and the tone, yeah. and the tone with which you read it. And I didn't necessarily pick up on that when I was reading it, right? So I love hearing a reader or a writer read something live just to get those tones, right? It's you it's it makes such a huge difference. And I mean, there's only so much you can
0: do with punctuation and italics and that kind of thing to try and you know put a bit of inflection into the voice i mean the rest of it it's up to the reader's imagination and it's not always exactly what you as the writer well i guess how do you know what people imagine but you know what you as the writer intend doesn't always come out on the page in terms yeah. of the tone i guess is what i mean
1: mhm for sure and and in particular humor i think is is particularly difficult to to get across on the page right and especially it's if it's pretty- kind of nuanced humor or, as you say, it's the, you know, that kind of sardonic voice of the character. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, no idea. Yeah. So, that's great. Um, okay. Kathy Seifert says, super interesting discussion about different ri- different writing styles. Thank you, awesome. Kathy. Hi, Kathy. Yes. Ellie Bryant says, you published two novels and two short story collections. your process or approach to writing change when writing short fiction short fiction versus novel Ooh, good tough question Ellie
0: that's a good tough question wow oh that's killer (laughs) um you know I mean the way my books have been published it's been uh novel short story collection novel short story collection but that's not really the the order in which they've been written um I tend to short stories are something that I will write in between phases of the novels that I'm working on. So, you know, I might work on my first draft of a novel for a while and then stop and write a couple of short stories, and then go back and write some more in the first draft. So they are kind of things that I do in between phases of the novel. And it's not like I just do it because, you know, there, it's something to do in between uh, <laughs> the parts of writing a novel. I enjoy writing short stories. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the the order that these things have been published and don't really reflect the, the order that they've been written in, but um, having said that, oh yeah, there's a totally different process to to writing a short story than there is to a novel. With a novel, you can you can expand everything quite a bit and you can you know engage in lots of description and you can have lots and lots of characters with a, with a short story you've got to focus everything a little bit more every word has to mean something significant everything has to be there for a reason but i've never really written a short story collection you know so i've written mm individual short stories but I've never really sat down and said I'm gonna write a short story collection it's just that I happen to have enough to kind of put together is, is how I approach it and I know a lot of people don't approach it that way but that is how I approach it so so that's that's the answer
1: yeah that's that's interesting um yeah I never thought about that sitting down to actually set out to write a short story collection that wouldn't be my process either
0: Well, I think if people are writing like a linked story collection, they may Mm -hmm. have a little more, um, you know, conscious structuring from the beginning. But yeah, I think neither of us have done that with our story collections.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Okay, let's talk about, I have, um, oh, I want to tell everybody that Lori's book is available at Owl's Nest chapters indigo anywhere you can buy anywhere you can buy a book and i and i urge you in this time of covid please support support the writers god knows god knows we need it i mean we're dying here right we're all dying artists, dying all, all <laughs> the all the artists are there. we don't even have tequila tonight it's we're drinking water like and coca cola look at People. that oh my coke, god like just straight <laughs> coke like i'm so broke right um so do do think about supporting supporting writers and supporting your local bookstores especially during these times of covid because we can't be live and we can't we can't have those same interactions that actually sell sell books for for writers so so i'm 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 kind of begging you just please please, please, buy please. this please <laughs> and two something that that the publishers are are, are kind of telling us as well Keep in mind that with COVID, there's, you know, the the printers are working in, in limited ways. And so are the publishers because of social distancing. And there might be shortages. So buy the books now. They're there, like Owl's Nest, call them up tomorrow. You can you can order stuff online. You can, yeah, do it. Definitely do it. Um, okay. So Jason has a question. I don't Ooh. know if you're allowed to ask a question, yeah, Jason. On, Jason. What the really? heck? Um, <laughs> Did the publisher know that lee and laurie were friends when they asked lee to be the editor was that totally random did did, i don't know the answer to that do you know the answer they did not know we were friends no they knew we were both alberta writers they didn't know you know if we traveled in i think because i don't think yeah i don't think uh it wasn't again until they sent me i'd already agreed to do a short story collection and they sent me your manuscript and then you know then I I had a conversation with them and said you know what we're not just writers in the community we're also we're also friends does that matter to you and they they had I mean Great Plains is uh it's two two women that are running uh three women that are actually running um Great Plains and they're wonderful they're wonderful to work with so great to work with yeah 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 and that was your experience too right like absolutely yeah super receptive like if you email them they get back to you within the day which i love right imagine that yeah 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 you're not waiting like a week you know in between conversations and stuff and that's kind of what i love about working with them is and because we had we had conversations around that you know me being laurie's friend and were they concerned about it? And and they weren't. They they just asked me. They said, "Are you okay with it?" And and again, once I started to look through the collection and and just you know <laughs> realized how polished it was, they actually oh. didn't need me. But don't tell them that, Laurie don't tell them they didn't need them. Okay, no, I won't. But um, <laughs> I think they did need you. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> yeah. And uh, Jason is also informing me that Owl's Nest. Oh, yeah, this is big has signed copies. They do. They yeah. Do. So no. you need signed, you need signed copies for Christmas present one for you. And one for your mom or your aunt or your cousin.
0: Everyone in your bubble, right?
1: Yeah. Every every person in your, your little <laughs> cohort, which is only six of you. But yeah, um okay so let's see i don't see any more questions at the moment so i have some little quick round questions for laurie and i stole this from a a cambridge podcast no way i did professor i have to answer with an english accent (laughs) (laughs) that would be more authentic can you do that for us i can't
0: no i can't
1: (laughs) sorry all right how many books have you written to date five and a half half
0: half i'm not done the fifth sixth one yet
1: wow you are prolific
0: that's awesome i guess but i mean you know i've been around for five and a half decades so it's only fair
1: (laughs) (laughs) there you go you started writing when you were 10 right exactly yeah 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 exactly um ellie bryan has already kind of touched on this short stories or novels preference Um, I I can't pick both. It's like asking which is your favorite child, right? I can't decide. You don't have a favorite child? (laughs) (laughs) But my boys aren't watching this. You're both my favorites, right, Laurie? Exactly.
0: Exactly. That's right.
1: Um, Where do you write? I write
0: at home. It's a little different right now than it was before because I used to have an office at home, but now my husband is using it. So I'm writing in the dining room these days.
1: And is it, do you have quiet to write in? Mm, mostly, mostly, it's not bad. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. Coffee, tea, or something stronger will you write?
0: Coffee, please. Coffee, coffee. must have coffee, yeah. Nice,
1: nice. Um, do you write anything by hand?
0: Sometimes I do. If I have a scene that I feel like I'm not connecting with the visual part of it very well, Or if it's like a lengthy passage of dialogue that isn't coming out the way I want it to, I will use pen and paper to do that. But no, otherwise it would just take me, you know, a thousand years to write a novel. So
1: (laughs) I can't do it. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Planner or pantser?
0: I plan to pants. Okay, you're going to have to
1: explain that. I haven't heard that one.
0: Well, I, I, I've always been a pantser, so I kind of like plan to work with it. I pants for the first draft, and then I plan through the second draft. Does that oh, make sense? Wow.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. 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 I think that's a solid process. Get it down it's first and then see what you have and get it in yeah. order. Yeah. So yeah. far so good, right? Seems to be working. You're on book five and a half, right? Book five and a half, right. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, morning, afternoon, or evening to write?
0: I write in the afternoon, and that's a habit that uh, comes out of my kids' nap times. When when my kids were little, the only time I had to write was when they were sleeping, which is like right after lunch. And you know, I'm a creature of habit. I've just kind of kept
1: that space. It seems to work for me. So now that you get to grow and you can roll out of bed at noon and start writing? Exactly. Yeah. That's <laughs> perfect. Drink have my first cup of coffee at like one o'clock. <laughs> and then the martini. Exactly. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, music, radio, or silence? I listen
0: to music anytime except when I'm writing. I cannot listen to anything when I'm writing. I if I have music on, I just stop writing and listen to the music. I it's too distracting. So Got to be silent, but I love music. So, listen yeah,
1: that's, to it a lot. that's evident. That's evident. Um, daily word count.
0: If I'm chugging away on a first draft, if I'm just like you know in composing mode, I try to get about a thousand words a day. Um, but you know, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Very rarely, I might write a little bit more than that. A thousand is about all I can do in a day.
1: Mm-hmm. How long do you write for? Can um, you sit down? Most days, mm, you know, two
0: and a half, three hours—that's about enough. I start to peter out at that point.
1: Yeah, it's intense. Writing's intense. It's it's it, tough it on the brain. Yeah. yeah, it's very yeah.
0: very hard work. I really don't know how we do it. Because
1: <laughs> because you're amazing, Lori. <laughs> I, well, you too. You too. You know. Um, does anyone else read your work before you send it out?
0: usually, not always, once in a while I will just, you know, blast something out without having a, a second set of eyes on it, but yeah, I usually get somebody to read it.
1: Mm-hmm. Did your hubby read your work? Set <laughs> <laughs> a. Of- question.
0: Uh, I, I got him to read uh, my an early version of my first novel one time because I didn't I didn't really know any writers then so I'm like somebody has to read this so I bugged him and bugged him I said will you read this manuscript and yeah um, he, uh, he finally did and I said so so how was it and he said good And that was all he said (laughs) i i learned after that that i had to get to know some other writers so i could you know get some feedback
1: spare the husband save the marriage right bingo yeah (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) my husband only reads my stuff out only if it gets out there if it's still sitting on my desk it's yeah it doesn't get any eyes but yeah probably a wise
0: policy i think Uh, yeah. yeah
1: yeah i think so um which author i always find this a difficult question has has been your biggest influence on your writing? I always
0: find this, I find this one easy because um, I mean, if people say which writers, you know, have influenced you, but you just say which writer Mm -hmm. and I, Alice Munro, I think she's kind of the beginning and the end for me always. I've read her for a long, long time and admired her work and yeah, she's my hero.
1: Wow. I love that yeah she's yeah she's amazing she, she yes. would be my pick as well there you go yeah no wonder we're, we're friends exactly and no I wonder we're working on this book together um <laughs> favorite point of view oh, anybody who's read any of my
0: stuff knows first person it's almost the only point of view that I use sometimes I try to do things in third person and it just doesn't I
1: don't like it so first person yeah and what do you like about first person? What is it sort of it in particular that you're drawn I, to? I feel like it's,
0: it's the easiest way for me to get into the character. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I can write with that I voice, it, it helps me to be that person. It's, yeah. it's as simple as that for me. Yeah.
1: yeah and too, I mean, as a, you know, as a reader as well, whenever I read first person, I'm just in there right away. Yep. Like yep. it's intimate. It just draws you in, right? I agree. Yeah, yeah. very now, very I, immediate.
0: I wonder if you might, you know, sometimes have a reason to write in third person. If you wanted to be detached from the characters or the story for some reason, you might want to use that. But I, I haven't come across that situation yet. So
1: maybe I will. Sometime. That's funny. I'm not sure that I was aware of that when I was editing the collection that it was all was it all first person? It's all for all first person. I wow. Yeah. Well, well done, because I, you, you mixed it up, obviously, enough that I didn't even notice it was all, I, I mean, again, I, I was just in, you. right? Fooled you you, you <laughs> fooled me, Laura. You totally did. <laughs> all right. Do you believe in writer's block? And what do you do if it strikes?
0: I do. Um, I'm, I mean, sometimes I think that writer's block is related to maybe what's going on in your life, if you're stressed or you know, if you're overworked or something. But yeah, I mean, I have had that experience myself. Um, And if it does strike, I take a break, uh, just take the pressure off and try to do something else for a while. And that usually helps or or free falling, do a little free falling and that can kind of get the juices flowing if you really find that you're stuck and you just don't know what to write about. Free falling always seems to be a, a way back into it for me.
1: Yeah, nice. Nice. You know, I like that you said take a break because writers are never allowed to do that. We're supposed to be like chained to our computers and writing uh, every day, you know. Well, like you and I are, right? Like all all the time. Always, just, yeah, roll, yeah. And we're just rolling in the J.K. Rowling dough, right? We sure are. (laughs) Okay, last, last question, cat or dog? Well, just like with the novel versus short story question, both, I have both, I love them both. I can't decide so both and you don't have to you don't have to (laughs) all right now well we've been quick rounding here we've got a few more comments and questions and I'll read those out and then we'll start to wrap it up um Heidi Klassen says Vermin is this month's AB lit book club (gasps) book no way I did not know that cool congratulations did you know know that? that I didn't know that no wow. one tells authors anything. No. That's good, you're, though. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you, Heidi, for, for pointing that out. We'll have to you'll have to go look for that, Lori. Yeah, no um, kidding. Yeah, for sure. That's excellent. Barb Howard says, Great job, Lori and Lee, super book, and glad you are still coffee friends after the editing process. <laughs> <laughs> we are too, Barb.
0: We are too. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Lori and I were laughing about that before we started. I'm like, I'm so glad you're still speaking to me. <laughs> And I felt the same
0: way,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Betty Jane Hagrid says, a great book for a book club discussion. And this is a great discussion. Thanks, Laurie and Lee. Oh, thank you, Betty. This would have to be the last question, she says. Um, Laurie Rodehouse Haney says, do you rely more heavily on imagination or research, knowing that both are necessary? Oh, good question, Laurie.
0: You know, it kind of depends on the story. I mean, I think clearly the historical stories have a, you know, a fairly significant research component to them. Um, but in order for it to be a historical story and not just a historical anecdote, I mean, the imagination has to be engaged. So I think with each individual story, you could probably sit down and figure out, okay, like there's it's 38%, you know, research and some other number, that I can't do in my head, <laughs> imagination. <laughs> um, it, it, I think it's it's different from story to story. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But uh, they're both very useful in writing stories.
1: So I do, I have a question just further to that. Do you when you're thinking of a, I know that this novel that you're working on now is historical fiction. Yes. Yes. Do you do the research first and then you start the writing, or do you begin the writing and then? start to d- delve into the research that you need in order to pull it?
0: Well, the, the novel I'm working on is uh, based on the life of Clara Schumann, who was a 19th century um, composer, pianist, and performer in Germany. And uh, I haven't really written a strict historical novel before. And what I found was that I did research for a year, and then I started writing the first draft and I finished the first draft just this summer. And now I think I'm gonna to have to do some more research. So like this could go on forever, really. And, you know, at, at some point I'm going to have to just say, I've done enough research. But um, when you're writing a novel based on somebody's life, there's a lot of information you have to gather, right? Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it's, I don't know. I, you know, I'm taking turns, I'm like, doing research, and then writing a draft, and then doing some more research, and writing a draft, and maybe, I don't know, who knows what will happen after that. Well, I know,
1: (laughs) I know that part of part of your research for that book that your, your, um, your trip to Germany is on hold, because that's part of your research that you got a grant for yes um, I'm crossing my fingers that you you will get to go to Germany at some point so that you can you can live and breathe it right thank you
0: I I was supposed to go in May and then
1: yeah we're hoping sometime next year
0: maybe the year after who knows
1: can't you drive just... if you drive then you don't have to quarantine right because if you don't fly
0: right? hey that's a good idea I wouldn't take very long to drive over the ocean Good idea.
1: exactly yeah all It'll right happen. All right. Well, thank you. Well, again, thank you, everybody, for coming out. Yes, thank you very much. Much appreciated. That's awesome. Um, We can all wave goodbye to each other, even though you can't see us. Everybody wave goodbye just to feel good about it, right? Bye. Thank you so much, Lori. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. And thank you for your questions and your comments. It's it's nice. We can't see you, but we know you're there, and we appreciate it. Thank Thank you, you, Jason, for being our host. Thank you. Good night. Good night.